1: The few days leading up to Saturday, January 21st felt like the calm before the storm. Nobody knew exactly what was going to happen at the weekend protest in downtown Atlanta, but there was a sense that something would. Shortly after the Wednesday shooting, a flyer went out calling for a gathering at Underground Atlanta on Saturday, January 21st, and to wear black clothes in mourning this is It Could Happen Here, I'm Garrison Davis, and I arrived at Underground Atlanta just a bit before 5pm. The crowd was still slowly growing, and a bunch of big news cameras were filling up the central area. As more people filtered in, some who knew Tort went up in front of everyone to share memories of Tortigita and talk about the continuing fight to defend the forest.
5: Obviously we're all here because Tort was an amazing person and their life meant a lot but TORT also shared something in common with all of us and that was the values and things that they were fighting for and all of us are fighting for a great cause and we all have it in common but it makes us all targets. They will always target us because they don't believe in the things that we believe in and they will always be after us and we all have to stand here and stay together and stay resilient to fight for what we believe in and never let Tort's memory go without honor.
1: If they would kill an innocent person
3: like Tort, someone who loved their community, they won't stop to kill us. They won't stop to kill everyone in that forest. They won't stop to kill anyone who defies them. And that is
1: pretty much all I had to say. A few people from the Atlanta Resistance Medics, a local street medic group dedicated to the liberation of medicine and providing medical resources for underprivileged and marginalized people, spoke about Tortuguita, who was a member of their collective.
3: If there's one thing that we want people to remember Tort for, it's that they were somebody who protected the people around them, who went through the training along with the rest of us, to be able to provide medical resources to the people that were around them that may not have access to those. No matter what else the news says about tort, they were a protector. Everything they did was out of love. Everything they did was out of hope for a better world. And I don't care what the police say. I don't care what the media says. I don't care what anybody says. Tort was out here working for a better world they they may want to smear them as an extremist they were not they were out here protecting their fellow people and that's what we want everybody to remember about them is that they were out here trying to build a better world no matter what anybody else says
6: all right i'd love y'all to repeat after me tortuga vive tortuga vive La lucha sigue! La lucha sigue! Tortuga vive! Tortuga vive! La lucha sigue! La
4: lucha
6: sigue! Tortuguita was a medic in our collective. They were a forest defender. They were a friend. They were funny. They were kind. Tortuguita was constantly thinking of others. They were constantly trying to protect other people trying to protect the forest trying to protect everyone who was marginalized they centered voices on the, who are on the margins and brought them into the center they recognized that our struggles are interconnected they recognized that cop city will never be built they died defending that forest the memory of tortuguita that i keep Returning to is after the police destroyed the gazebo at Wilani People's Park in the parking lot. They were at a meeting and they said, Yeah, so the cops think they can destroy our morale? Um, they can't. Y'all, yeah, Tartuhita was one of the most resilient, strongest people I know. They hugged everyone. They were so kind and so giving. And even as the state tries to assassinate their character in addition to their body, they were a freedom fighter. They were a person that I was. I am honored to have known, that I am honored to have called a friend.
1: About 400 people eventually gathered around underground Atlanta it seemed like slightly more people than were at the vigil the previous night.
6: Everything in modern life serves to atomize you, to make you feel like you are an individual, divorced from any sense of collective identity, divorced from any sense that you have a purpose and that there is good in the world. The fact that you're here means that you're fighting against that. Don't let go of that. That is powerful, and that's why Cop City isn't
4: going to be built. Is because we have love for ourselves and for the people around us.
7: Alright, so I'm sure all of you are fairly upset about this. I am. Tort was a friend of mine. They were a friend of the community.
6: Their death... Their death will not be in vain. (laughs) Fuck Cop City!
8: Fuck it all!
1: By 5.30, about half the crowd gathered at Underground Atlanta were in Black Block, and the rest were a variety of activists, organizers, and random people who decided that it was important to be at this event. After some speeches, chants, and stories of tort, the gathering of people turned into a march and took to the streets. A march is starting, just left Underground Atlanta, around 300 people. Maybe maybe more are marching down the street. There's a mix of people in block. There's medics here. People just kind of in regular clothes holding signs. There's a, a banner in the front that reads, They can't kill us all.
4: Firework.
1: Banner at the front that says, Please give life. Police take it. After just a minute of marching down one street, the crowd suddenly stopped. Looks like the march is turning around, going to the other side. Some more small fireworks being launched in the sky. Banners getting moved to the front. Looks like the march is now heading north into downtown. Organizers from the Party for Socialism and Liberation attempted to take control of the march and lead the group south in the direction of the state capitol building or possibly looping around to the CNN center. But autonomous activists in the crowd turned the march around and the group, 400 strong, headed north. It sounds like the PSL people who were gathered at the underground tried, tried to lead the march in one direction and everyone was like, no, we don't want to go that way. Uh, the PSL people were going to lead everyone into like, the federal building section of downtown going south and very quickly they turned around. Well, other, other people turned around and was like, no, we're not going that way. They're taking a right down Peachtree, heading, heading north into downtown, right beside the Coca-Cola sign on Marietta. The march entered the commercial district, a section of the city completely gutted out by years of the Atlanta way neoliberal policies that we talked about in the Defend the Forest episodes from last May. The area is populated almost exclusively by business people, university students, and unhoused citizens, and was a common site for Atlanta's 2020 BLM protests. Now that the march is moving, it's easier to see everyone in black. All of uh, all, all people in block. It's looking more just like a large, large mass of people in block now. Have not seen much police presence downtown yet. Besides just a few few patrol cars. It's really unclear how Atlanta police are gonna respond to this. Got some flares, a lot more of those smoke fireworks. Or smoke grenade things. It's not a grenade, it's like a cardboard tube shooting smoke out. The block continued to travel north. Road flares and fireworks lit the path in the darkening evening. Graffiti quickly sprung up on walls with phrases like R.I.P. Little Turtle and Stop Cop City. The march, the march is now approaching an Atlanta police vehicle who is trying to back up. The cop just not want to... The cop, the cop car is right in the middle of where the march is going to go. They're like less than 100 feet away. Just one single cop car that happens to be in the path. They are they are trying to back out of the street. The march has the tree trees give life. Police take it banner. There's a big cardboard cutout of a tree right behind it. Police have their lights turned on now. Looks like the cop car is turning turning around. Yeah, and the cop car is leaving rather quickly. The sun was just starting to set as the block arrived at the main goal of the night. The Atlanta Police Foundation headquarters at 191 Peach Tree Street. They've stopped in front of Atlanta Police Foundation headquarters. People are throwing, throwing stuff at the uh, windows and doors. Mm-hmm. Broken windows at the Atlanta Police Foundation headquarters. The people, the people funding Cop City. Firework thrown. Umbrellas moved in to block local news cameras as windows shattered. Rocks emerged from backpacks and smashed into the front of the building. Hammers met the glass entrance as fireworks lit up the scene. Another, fire, another firework at the Atlanta Police Foundation. The march is tightening up a decent bit. March is definitely tightening up. A lot of people just in block now. Shouts of, "'Be water!' kept the mass moving forward." as bank windows received a similar pelting of rocks and hammers. People chanting to move like water. few few Atlanta police cars right beside the march. I'm guessing they're going to in fro- uh, pull in behind the march. Two Atlanta police cars right there. People hitting uh, Chase Bank, another stuff being dragged into the street for like a to barricade. Chase Banks, head of regional investment banking, John Richard, serves on the board of the Atlanta Police Foundation. Police officers exited the two cop cars that were trailing the march and quickly ran away from the crowd, leaving their vehicles abandoned. Corker is trying to keep track of where the police are in relation to the march. Looks like I got some cars pulling up behind. let The Police car pulled up behind the march Just got their windows broken Firework thrown under you, Another firework Another Atlanta police, police vehicle Had their windows smashed So there's two the, the, the two that was behind the march The two Atlanta police officer cars That were behind the march Just got hit Wells Fargo, one of the main Cop City funders, received special love and attention from the block. The Atlanta area president for Wells Fargo, Mitch Grawl, is also on the board of trustees for the Atlanta Police Foundation. A few other banks hit around this area. Wells Fargo, one of, the, one of the contributors to the Atlanta Police Foundation, one of their big funders and backers. A lot of the media here, very... Very thirsty to get, to get stuff of, you know, put into people breaking windows and shit. It was kind of surprising that the crowd made it this far without any real police response. Time almost stretches during these brief moments of uprising. About seven minutes after the first window shattered, Atlanta police finally arrived and made their move. Police are in front of, in front of the march now. Please, in front of the rub March, people might be turning around. If they want to do a little lake water type thing.
3: Detail!
4: Detail!
1: Detail! Detail! Yeah, multiple cop cars are approaching the march from the front. Unclear what the crowd is going to do. Well, Atlanta PD is now now approaching the march. <laughs> They're getting closer. They're going after one of the banners, dragging somebody down, pulling someone to the ground. They're chasing people. One person's being arrested. March is splitting in two different directions. Officers started randomly tackling and arresting anyone they could get their hands on. More police arrived from the south and chased down a small section of the march that branched off. Atlanta police coming from behind, as well. So I got Atlanta police on both sides. Not many officers though. Just a, just a few officers. Looks like the majority of the march went out the street. Get the fuck out the street. Get out. Out the street.
3: Out the street. Out the street. Keep moving. Disperse. Disperse.
1: Please get yeah, in more aggressive, pushing a lot of people. Footage and audio of these violent arrests were shared by the Defend the Forest account, Unicorn Riot, and myself. I hear screams coming from multiple directions. Large, Looks like the march kind of split in 2 the seen a lot of arrests. The individuals targeted likely committed no crime other than being in the wrong place at the wrong time. The majority of the march split away and in a different direction from the cops. So I stayed where the cops were most of the march was able to get away by going through two different directions. We have, it looks like, an Atlanta PD vehicle is on fire. Atlanta PD vehicle burning in the street. Burning cop car. Police with AR style AR style rifles. So, I feel like most of the march headed down that way.
9: I saw a mass over there.
1: Yeah. It seems one of the cop cars that got smashed also spontaneously lit on fire. When the police first confronted the march, most of the block was able to peel off and disappear into the night. Affinity groups reconnected, block was shed, and protesters evacuated out of downtown as the police flooded the mile long stretch of Peachtree Street that the crowd marched on. After a fire truck put out the burning cop car, police taped off the area, and as they were pushing people out, I recorded an officer saying this amazing line.
3: The whole thing's blocked, there's fireworks and like bombs going off. I
1: was, like, no bombs or discount New Year's Eve fireworks? You choose. All in all, the actions that night only took about an hour, and crews made it home in time for dinner.
4: Yeah. Before I
1: Six people were arrested at the protest Saturday night. Five were tackled and pinned down as the crowd initially scattered, and one other person was chased by a cop car. Sam from the Atlanta Community Press Collective has more on that.
7: A protester who was subsequently arrested was... Witnesses state they were uh, basically followed through the streets um, by an Atlanta police vehicle um, before... Witnesses say that they were hit by the same vehicle, and they were then taken to jail. So Unicorn Riot released that video, and we were able to speak with a few witnesses. Because, as I'm sure everyone saw on social media this weekend, the arrests were a familiar, brutal brutal sight.
1: Before we continue, I do want to play two short clips that were circulating the night of the protest. First is police scanner audio of the cop whose car spontaneously combusted.
8: You want a cop?
3: Yeah, we out here with these protesters. They blew my damn car up. I ain't able to go get nothing to eat longer. You know, I was just, whatever you get a chance.
1: This next one is from live news coverage of the March, and this clip became an instant meme.
3: So they're now saying GBI suck my dick. GBI is the Georgia Bureau of Investigation.
1: Mayor Andre Dickens and the chief of police gave a press conference hours later, which gave us a look at how the state was going to try and frame the protest and acts of targeted vandalism.
4: My message is simple to those who seek to continue this type of criminal behavior. We will find you and we will arrest you and you will be held accountable. Uh, We have arrested several of them this evening, and Chief Sherbaum will give you the details on that. And some of them were found with explosives on them. Uh, You heard that correctly, explosives. And that has led to a a police uh, officer's car being uh, set on fire.
1: During the press conference, the chief of police clarified that no law enforcement officers were injured as a result of the protest, and neither were any bystanders, which means the only violence against people was done by the cops who randomly tackled any protester that they could chase down.
5: And so it doesn't take a rocket scientist or an attorney to tell you that breaking windows and setting fire is not protest, that is terrorism. And that they will be charged accordingly, and they will find that this police department and the partnership is equally committed to stop that activity. Uh, We already have prosecutors in the room as we speak, and we're reviewing everything, we have a lot of evidence to still go through. So even charges you see tonight, those can easily be upgraded and they will be upgraded if appropriate.
1: I brought up the police chief's comments to a few of the forest offenders that I spoke with after the protest on Saturday in downtown. Um, police Chief Schneierbaum. Schne- Schneierbaum. <laughs> it's hard. I've 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 read it before. on <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the the Atlanta police chief said that breaking windows and setting fires is terrorism. It was sort of. I'm curious to get everyone's thoughts on that.
4: So, I think, you know, the the police and Andre Dickens are doing what a lot of city governments have done, especially during 2020, which was, like, do things like call property destruction terrorism, which, like, it's not... You can call it everyone. You can call it, like, property destruction. You can call it terrorism. is a very, like, specific political strategy that exists. I think the right wing does it a lot, and it would be worth calling that like you know because defend the forest doesn't have a body count the police have only murdered uh, an activist for defend the forest which defend the forest has not struck out violently against anybody except in defense against the police um you cannot do violence to property you cannot be violent towards a police car it's, it's the same way that Andre Dickens is now getting on TV and claiming that, like, fi- calling fireworks, explosives. Explosives, yeah. It's like, yes, they are objects that explode, but this is very clearly being done in bad faith because it is, it, is, it, it justifies, and this is the same way, like, the, the DOD and the FBI does a lot of their shit. You call something terrorism, the money just pours on. You get funding, you get justification to do things like that, and... You can arrest people and charge them with domestic terrorism. That makes continuing a movement incredibly hard. That's a really dangerous uh, implication that any act in dissidence to the state could be called domestic terrorism should really scare the shit out of everybody, not just here, but around the country. and should not be allowed to stand and should be combated against on every front.
1: I talked with Peter about how if the police are viewing vandalism or destruction of inanimate objects as domestic terrorism if breaking a window is terrorism that begs the question what exactly is destroying a forest
8: that juxtaposition of what the police consider violence and like what sort of like destruction of objects is violence to me this demonstrates what they see like as valuable and also this demonstrates the police state and the corporation's inability to to understand the aliveness of all things and how sacred the earth is. It shows that what they consider sacred, what they hold as sacred, is property, and specifically their property. I think they fear the woods in part because it it moves in ways that they can't comprehend. It moves in non-linear ways.
1: Cricket also had something to say on this topic. Well, and and, and what is destroying
9: a forest? What is destroying a person? They're more upset about the destruction of property than the destruction of a person, a whole human being who was 26 years old. They were young. They had just started. And that does not seem to measure up against some glass panes. That doesn't seem to register. And what about the terror they inspire in the forest? What about the, I mean, obviously there are these (laughs) rhetorical questions when I'm preaching to the choir, but I mean, God, no, it's just, it's just infuriating. There's no, I long for the day when the line is not drawn at, well, you can do anything
1: except touch private property. Noah mentioned the juxtaposition of broken windows being terrorism, but violent actions that actually hurt people seemingly not mattering nearly as much, uh, at least compared to a cracked window.
4: Right, it's, it's a clear double standard. In, in the same way that, like, you know, during 2020, people setting fire to police precincts was insurrection and, and, and anarchy and all these things. But when the National Guard would shoot people, it was... Uh, tragic error or a, a justified shooting when, right when vigilantes would drive cars in the crowds and, you know, they can pour them pipe bombs at, at protests. It does not get treated with the same levity because the, the powers that be can never, will never, will obviously never hold themselves to the same standards that they will call us as their enemies. The, the, the meaning of words does not matter to them. What matters is being able to get good sound bites to put on like Antifa watch and shit and make themselves because the the city's decided that they can't back down from the pro cop people that they're not willing to like back down on that front that this is where they're going to stake their flag and try and hold it out.
1: From the start of the movement, the police have aggressively arrested and persecuted protesters associated with the struggle to stop Cop City starting all the way back with the first arrest of 11 peaceful protesters snatched off the sidewalk during the city council's vote to approve Cop City. As corporations and the state move to push Cop City's development forward, despite all public opposition, repression has increased dramatically over the last few months. Since December, everyone arrested in connection with the movement against Cop City has been charged with domestic terrorism.
7: It's not a huge surprise, Terms like terrorism and ecoterrorism have been coming up. I mean, in in private conversations, probably since the beginning, um, but we can trace it back to at least last summer, uh, when and and some emailed emails we've obtained through open records requests, where uh, a city council member and the police foundation were just kind of pejoratively throwing around the term terrorists in response to, I think it was. Graffiti or something like, I hope they catch these terrorists soon. The terrorists who graffitied a building. It has also shown up in a couple different public meetings that are about the training center. You know, uh, committee members who are pro-public safety training center, anti-anyone being opposed to it, have also used the term eco-terrorism.
1: The dangerous escalation of protest suppression is not limited to people engaging in passive resistance or direct action.
7: Some of our our open records requests have even shown that since since last fall for for several months now, anyone who participates in like a write-in or a call-in campaign, sometimes those very simple emails of, hey, I don't think your company should be participating in this project will get forwarded up to the chief of police. You know, people's names, emails, just very, very simple call-in campaign type stuff. Um, The most innocuous stuff gets forwarded as part of, you know, security alert.
1: This is the anti-democratic chilling effect in action. Politicians and police are trying to create a political climate where people are too scared to exercise their right to protest, organize, and take action. Georgia's Republican governor, Brian Kemp, has bolstered this alarming escalation of violence and repression against political speech by blaming out-of-state rioters and a, quote, network of militant activists who have committed similar acts of domestic terrorism across the country, unquote, rhetoric that has been mirrored by liberal politicians in the city of Atlanta. The broad labeling of environmental and racial justice movements as quote-unquote terrorism and those who get associated with such movements as domestic terrorists is an extremely dangerous precedent, designed to stifle public opposition and scare anyone concerned about police militarization and climate change away from protesting. It's a crude attempt to use as powerful tools as possible to crush opposition and remove the protest from public spotlight while creating cover for intense suppression of protest movements police are making an example out of people by trying to pin the actions of autonomous individuals in a decentralized movement on anyone that was unlucky enough to cross paths with the police by threatening 35 years in prison. Uh, let's talk a bit about the role of the domestic terrorism charges and how they are being applied. Cause they're not even being applied to people that are like tied to specific acts. Like yeah. you specifically we have evidence that you burned down an escape like it like a like a construction equipment. That's mm-hmm. not that's not that's, that's not how they're being yeah. used. Not even being used for like we saw you, we we saw you break this window. That's not even how yeah. they're being used. Like the people restaurant Saturday, all six of them got the same exact charges. Yes. How how can all six people have done all the exact same thing? So they're obviously not being used for any t- type of like factual evidence based way. It's all about like a trying to turn the movement itself into a criminal association.
7: Yeah. Yeah. APD has even said that themselves in in a public meeting that's supposed to kind of like provide advi- provide advice on like how the public wants this project built. You know, they in the December meeting which I think took place a day after after those raids, they they bragged about pulling someone over illegally for fil- for filming the police. They said they were very proud of themselves for taking that person to jail. And then they they just blatantly said that Anyone arrested for this in in connection with this movement will get a domestic terrorism charge that which creates an equivalency that being opposed to this project is domestic terrorism. You know, the the chief of police, Darren Shearbaum, went before cameras on Saturday and I, I think pretty much verbatim said breaking a glass window that is terrorism. A lot of people have opinions about how to protest, right? But what people have conveyed to us is that even those who are, you know, kind of horrified by property damage, it's just not domestic terrorism. It's just not. Being opposed to the police, wanting the police to do something differently, is not terrorism.
1: The Atlanta Solidarity Fund said of the six people charged after Saturday's protest, quote, protest, even disobedient protest, is not terrorism. It's tragic that we're at a point where this even needs to be said, but that makes it all the more important that the public speak out against this divisive and dangerous rhetoric. We have reason to believe these activists were arrested at random during the march. All six face the same blanket charges. They are being held responsible for committing the same crime by virtue of simply being present at a protest where property damage occurred." 20 people have been charged with felonies under Georgia's domestic terrorism laws since last December. Police affidavits have detailed the alleged acts of so-called terror, which include, quote, criminally trespassing on posted land, sleeping in a forest, sleeping in a hammock with another defendant, being known members of a prison abolitionist movement, unquote, and aligning themselves with Defend the Atlanta Forest by, quote, occupying a treehouse while wearing a gas mask and camouflage clothing. Unquote. A review of the 20 arrests showed that none of those arrested and slapped with terrorism charges are accused of seriously injuring anyone. Nine are alleged to have committed no specific illegal acts beyond misdemeanor trespassing. Instead, mere association with a group committed to defending the forest appears to be the foundation for declaring them terrorists." The seven people arrested during the police raid where the Georgia State Patrol shot and killed Tortuguita were given a bond amount totaling $117,000. Escalating repression is taking form as egregious bail amounts for protesters, inflated charges, and, as last month saw, the killing of an activist. The environmental justice attorney, Stephen Donzinger, said... For weeks, these people were called terrorists, which is a complete misuse of the word. The police have been conditioned to believe these people are terrorists. And what do you do with terrorists? In the United States, you kill them. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Unquote. A whole bunch of bail information just got released for the six people arrested at the protest in downtown Atlanta on Saturday, January 21st. And it's pretty high. Uh, It's the highest bail for a protest that I've ever seen. Two people that are uh, slightly more local to the area were granted $355,000 each for their bonds. That's over $700,000 with ankle monitoring and a 24-hour curfew. So that's a lot. Uh, Four other people who were arrested were... Determined to be from too far out of town and deemed flight risks by the judge, and they were completely denied bond. So they're going to be held in jail in perpetuity until both further legal challenges like this is going to get you know pushed up to a higher level judge. But who knows how long they're going to be in pretrial detention now um, for pretty pretty ridiculous charges like this arson, um, riot, like felony. Jaywalking essentially, or like pedestrian, uh, you know, yeah, pedestrian in right away. And assembly, I believe, is one of them. Domestic terrorism, yes, domestic terrorism, was across the board. When they're going over the the bail hearing, there was, there was, they they were talking about how like this hearing is not for going over evidence. This is this is, this isn't for actually. No. We, we are not in the time to litigate facts. Yeah, they they're, they're not they're not. Interested in dealing with what the facts actually were, because there's no evidence that any of any of the people arrested did anything wrong besides march in a street, uh, which has been a staple of the history of Atlanta for almost like almost a century. Um, There's no absolutely no evidence, but that that doesn't matter. And that's not really the point either. The Mm -hmm. point is that this is a brutal form of punishment and a deterrent for for other people to say but if you're going to go to a protest, if you're going to go to a march. You don't need to do anything at all, and we'll give you bond that's that's worth almost $400,000 per person. Um, or we'll just hold you until until this case gets litigated. Yeah, so if you want to come from out of town to just go to a march, you could
4: do nothing else, and get arrested for a ped right away slap with a domestic terrorism add-on, and then they decide that because you're from... I don't know. Like an hour and a half away, and just happen to be across the state line. That you're now a flight risk and are going to be held uh, indefinitely on in pre-trial. Which I means the Atlanta court system that this could be. We could be talking years.
1: Could be no... 18 months before before trial. If people are wanted, right? They obviously they want people to just plead guilty and not not have go to trial. Mm-hmm. Um, which is nonsense because there's no evidence. <laughs> no, but fun. if it does get carried out all the way t- to all the way to trial, that could take over a year. That could be just being being held for things that you clearly didn't do but because the police and prosecutors have decided to use these intense charges as a deterrent, it's just extremely blatant, like abuse of, abuse of the legal system, abuse of power. Um, but I mean, it's, you know, I I say abuse, but like, this is the way it's also designed. Like this is, this is the purpose of prosecutors. This is the purpose of police. They're doing their job as it's supposed to be. They just like
4: make it unfeasible for people to participate in this events and to make it so, any like any uh, chance at getting uh, bail for people is made so near impossible because I, I think for most people, like looking at an amount like three hundred fifty-five thousand dollars is just an impossible amount of money to come up with. That's like it's so out of the, the realm of what is possible for so many like normal everyday people who are participating in acts of protest. That it's just it's it's just designed to hold people and, and for as long as
1: possible. It's, it's not. It's not even people who like this. This would be in many ways just as horrific as, as if if these charges were from people who were like in the forest. Mm-hmm. Um, these are people like in a downtown marching. Like this yeah. is like that downtown marching. Where like the 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 most serious thing that happened was that a car spontaneously caught fire. Like that is. And it, it, that was, is it it was it. was. There's no, no evidence that any of these people were were any involved in that. It, it was even noted inside. um... During, during these hearings, that many of these people were arrested before the car even caught fire. Like, and the, the judges just decided that, again, they were not ready to litigate facts
4: of any kind. That this was not... And, and, and making it so obvious that the point of this is not to, in any way, treat this with uh, any realm of like, reality or what happened, but just to make sure that we are... That, that people are as punished as possible for... Any actions taken by a group that they were, like, intentionally just even in, like, the vicinity of
1: downtown. Affidavits for the seven people arrested at the deadly police raid on January 18th, in which Tortuguito was killed, begin by alleging that the defendants were, quote, participating in actions as a part of the Defend the Atlanta Forest Group, a group classified by the United States Department of Homeland Security as domestic violent extremists, unquote. But a DHS spokesperson has responded to media inquiries by saying, quote, The Department of Homeland Security does not classify or designate any groups as domestic violent extremists, unquote. The Atlanta Solidarity Fund responded to this news by saying, quote, When police brought terrorism charges against Stop Cop City protesters, they justified it by claiming that Defend the Atlanta Forest had been designated a domestic violent extremist organization, This was a lie. DHS has never designated any movement-aligned organization in this way. What does this mean? It suggests that police and prosecutors have been lying not just to the public, but to judges in an effort to justify outrageous, sensational charges against activists. This cannot be tolerated in a free society. The public has a long process ahead of unraveling the tangle of lies, distortions, and cover-ups that the police, prosecutors, and their private backers have woven to suppress the right to protest. We are determined to follow that thread to its end. Injustice cannot go unchallenged." To date, the Atlanta Solidarity Fund has supported over 60 people arrested for protesting the proposed cop city development. Just a few days before the killing of Tortuguita, it could happen here, released an interview with people from the Solidarity Fund and Anti-Repression Committee, if you want to learn more about those organizations. The Solidarity Fund is dedicated to continue supporting protesters in Atlanta, but with the unprecedented $700,000 bail for just two people, they need help to continue supporting activists with bail and legal counsel, while they are also supporting civil litigation against unjust arrests and police violence— including an independent investigation into the death of Tortuguita. In a statement released after the bail hearing, the Atlanta Solidarity Fund said, The arrested protesters and all other future protesters targeted for political activity in Atlanta need your help. Please host fundraisers, reach out to your networks, and donate to the Atlanta Solidarity Fund. We especially encourage you to consider becoming a recurring donor. Solidarity means all of us supporting each other for the long haul, until we are all free." Unquote. If the state is successful in creating this precedent of domestic terrorism, protesters across the country could be facing similar speech-chilling charges. Activists and civil rights lawyers have called for everyone to strongly reject this extreme level of repression here and now before it becomes the norm for activists in every movement. What happens here will have legal implications for the whole nation?
7: It creates and it, it creates fear. It creates a, a chilling effect. It was after after the December raids, a lot of folks in the community were really were really questioning what was next. And it is scary to think about. but it's been really heartening how people have seen through the bullshit, right? Atlanta has an incredible resilience. And so does this movement, even with domestic terrorism in mind.
1: Peter also mentioned how the increased charges have inadvertently shown just how strong the community is. After domestic terrorism charges first uh, first got laid out in December, what was people's reaction to that? Because that's a pretty substantial like, legal state repression effort. Once, you know you're in the woods, you hear that your friends are now getting these ridiculous charges. Like, how does that change what's on the ground?
8: Yeah, I think the terrorism charges. Well, I'll say I was out of town when the terrorism charges happened, and hearing about those was actually what motivated me to come back to Atlanta and move back into the woods because I knew that the terrorism charges were a scare tactic to try and discourage people from participating in the woods and the movement at large. As the repression has intensified, and... Especially since the terrorism charges started coming in, the resolve and the strength of this community has intensified even more, and the increased repression has shown me the strength of this community, and also how deeply committed people are to being a part of this fight, no matter what.
1: You can go to at jail underscore support on Twitter for information on how to write to incarcerated protesters in Atlanta. The terrorism charges being brought against stop cop city protesters stem from a 2017 law passed in Georgia in the wake of the Dillon Roof massacre. This law, allegedly created in response to a white supremacist mass shooting targeting black people, is being used for the first time as a bludgeon against anti-racist protesters who are fighting against the expansion and further militarization of police facilities
4: and that the state is just, as a a concept as a whole, is is pretty much incapable of doing things for altruistic means. This is the same government that just so often uses, like, that completely simplifies, like, our issues, for example, with, like, far-right mass shootings in this country into just a gun problem to take away the abilities for the marginalized people to defend themselves by oversimplifying it into a non-ideological issue. And it's so, like, there's such a clear pattern of, Who is perpetrating these things? It's all like, the state at any moment it can grab at power, it will do so. And that looks better sometimes because it might be a law like going after somebody like Dylan Roof, but it gets turned around later and used by them to murder, you know, activists trying to defend the forest and make sure that people cannot make bail. And if if we're doing nothing more than asking the city to not do something that a vast majority of people I've Atlanta do not want to
1: happen." Laws that are put into effect to stop far-right violence will inevitably be used to repress left-wing movements. Any expansion of state power will always come down the hardest on people who are actually pushing back on the power structures of the state, like the police. And now this domestic terrorism law is being used against force defenders for mere affiliation with Stop Cop City. The way the state is using these domestic terrorism charges is relatively unprecedented within the United States. But this stuff is not completely unheard of. It's new for white Americans who are protesting. It's new in a very specific context— it's not new for many other people who've experienced state repression and have experienced state repression in other countries around the world. You know, it's it's very similar to the way that, like,
4: the U.S. would... You know, we had a lot of, a lot of people who over the years from the global war on terror locking up thousands of people who, you know, so many of them were just... The U.S. Army rolls into a country and it's like, all of these people are terrorists. They do not have time to litigate the facts. They are looking at people as flight risks with no evidence, with unsubstantiated claims about affiliations to whatever the hell it is. And then they, you know, and like the most extreme examples, end up detained in Guantanamo for the next 20 years or in, you know, Bring it back to like the connection to all of this to the idf it's the similar ways that the idf persecutes their war against the palestinian peoples of waging a war on a population and then taking as much like like using as much force against the the people who choose to uh, fight that state power and then just arresting huge numbers of people for claiming that they're like affiliated with Hamas or something for li- to just living in the same neighborhood and just throwing the key away. This is very similar to tactics that we've seen used across the world, specifically during the, the global war on terror, just to lock up huge numbers of people with impunity without the ability for people to get proper legal representation or for there ever to be a moment to litigate the facts of what happened. And it's a really troubling development to have happening here. This has been so destructive in, in other countries all across the world, and we should all be extremely concerned that this is happening anywhere. Um, not just that it's touched you know, the U.S. now, but this type of legal system should not find comfort anywhere in the world.
1: One of the topics of the original It Could Happen Here series was Foucault's boomerang. The idea was also brought up during multiple conversations I had in Atlanta— It's about how the types of imperialist and colonialist violence that are done in other countries don't just go away, they get transported back to the homeland. This boomerang effect resulted in a whole series of colonial models being brought back to the quote-unquote West so that it could endlessly practice something resembling colonialism or an internal colonialism on itself. The forces of extreme gentrification can be seen as one of these frontlines, in that way, it only makes sense that this is happening in Atlanta to such an extreme degree.
4: So, like, the idea of, like, when it comes to fructose boomerang is that any any strategies, tactics, equipment, uh, in the U.S. is the best example of where there has been tactics and equipment thus far, that are used overseas in a country's colonial wars uh, imperial wars will one day find their way returned to the core of said empire to subjugate their own dissidents and their own people the best example of this in the u.s was militarized policing cop city is a huge example of this we've seen a return of weapons and equipment from the dod to u.s police just days ago we saw a a man murdering in his trailer by a SWAT team using night vision goggles and equipment that looks like it came off of, like, army rangers in 2014. Like, it, it it is a return, like, the tactics and the equipment and the strategy and the mindset of an occupying army come back to the center of the empire and are used to subjugate its people. And in this case, Cop City is a huge expansion of this because of what it's designed to train people to do, which is urban combat. And even more so, the legal system that the U.S. has used overseas to prosecute thousands of people with no evidence is as well being returned to prosecute those defending the forest.
1: The man shot by SWAT in a trailer last month did end up surviving. But what Noah is talking about is that there is no true other. There is no true awareness. This new military urbanism that seems to be necessary to sustain hyper-capitalist gentrification is providing zones of experimentation through which the state is able to try out and hone their techniques of oppression. In my conversation with Cricket, they talked about this phenomenon. It comes back
9: or it starts here and we're the training ground and then they export it. I mean, there it's, it's, and I think you're absolutely right that there is no true other, right? Like, that is a construct to keep us out of solidarity with one another. That is a strategy to keep us out of alliance, out of the same table, and demanding more. I mean, it's something that I remember. I think it was. I think it was maybe something Buttigieg or I don't know some other some other politician uh, talked about in the wake of twenty twenty. You know, saying like uh, military weapons should not be used against like like should not be used in our streets or something like that. It's like okay, but the logical extension of that is that they should be in other people's streets. I like. those are also civilians. Like, those are also people's towns and cities and homes. Like, why are we deciding that it's okay for them to be there and and not not here? And obviously, we're not actually deciding that they're not okay to be here. Um, But I feel like even the sort of attempts to try and address the insane militarization of the police still rely on that other
1: as if this is not a global issue, as if this is not something that affects everyone. The Solidarity Fund has said, quote, Invoking terrorism is a dog whistle calling for more police violence. Ever since 9-11, American policy has been to hunt and kill terrorists by any means. Applying this same terrorism label to activists in our communities is prompting police to approach protests as war zones, prepared to kill at any time. This can be seen in the way GSP stormed the Atlanta forest with militarized equipment and killed Tortuguita. And God, I think there's also this tendency to think of the assassination of
9: environmental activists as something that happens elsewhere. Like this is something that happens in Central America. This is something that happens in the Amazon. Like this is not something that happens in the U.S. and it absolutely is something that happens in the U.S. And I think just sort of to to the name of your podcast, right? Like it happens here. It's not and it, it, it could be any of us. I think that that's another sort of possible strategy or idea behind this. Like oh, they're outside agitators thing of trying to create this scary stranger danger and trying to make people think that the person who was murdered couldn't be them because they're from here. Like, oh, like I'm local. Like I wouldn't have been murdered. No, like, like no, absolutely not. Like they will murder with impunity and it's really scary and it's really enraging. Like I, I think it is both to me inspiring and because
1: if they're going to kill us no matter what, then why not cause as much good trouble as we can. On Thursday, January 26th, Governor Brian Kemp declared a state of emergency in response to protests Saturday night sparked by Tortuguita's death. Under that order, 1,000 National Guard troops were mobilized to quell protests and police the streets of Atlanta. Once again, I'll end with the words of Tortuguita. Quote, Dear comrades, We are in the trenches of the class war. The capitalists would rather see us dead or enslaved, so we must fight like hell. Billionaires are causing a mass extinction and can only be stopped by collective action. Cop city can and must be stopped, but we need more help. We need people on the front lines and robust supply networks. We need to love and support each other." Now that the war is here, how are we going to fight it?
8: the rain on leaves tickling, the earliest of instruments, the melody we mimicking is the sound of wind whistling, long before the sapiens chanting under the stars, or camped under her canopy, she sang her own song, and she was far from silent, no virus or violence, but the fragrance of her flowers, it continued to invite us, our medicine, materials, our vitamins, our minerals, and all that is essential, which just grew right beside us, and us, started fighting over the gifts that she provided us, scorching the very soil that all of us derive from, and when empires learn it can't withstand fire, we return to the land where our ancestors rain danced. We are all her creatures, we still bear her features. The one and only reason all living things is breathing. The cities deceiving, leave, go see the dirt. Young go be among the lungs of Mother Earth. Cause Forest.
1: Music by The Narcissist Cookbook and Propaganda.
3: So they're now saying GBI suck my dick. GBI is the Georgia Bureau of Investigation.
7: It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening.
0: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com.
1: As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene!
2: Gene Fodor! Gene, we're we'll good.
1: But be careful, because the
8: worst
3: trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano!
4: Uh-huh. Oh. Gene!